Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. Welcome, my friends, to this little radio program known internationally as Smokin' and Toastin'. Uh, my name is Cruz. Our show is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. But wait, there's more. Today's show is also about wine. That's crazy. We've never yes, done a wine show. We've never show. done a wine show. Welcome. We're just being uh, whiny today. To my friend and co-host, Ian Barry. Ian, uh, this is show number 146, and the first time we have uh, actually done a show where <laughs> we're featuring wine. And the reason for that, I think, is actually pretty simple. Although I do love wine, I know so little about it because there's so much to know. You same, know what I mean? Same here. Uh, that I would feel kind of silly Sort of going, hey, come on, tune into my wine show. You know what I mean? Like it would be, uh, I'd it'd be like, I like wine. You know, that'd be it. That'd be it. This wine is good. That's about all I could do. So we've uh, so we brought an expert on board, and uh, he is going to be joining us here in a moment. I do want to tell you uh, that we're brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant, eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, uh, BB Italia on Memorial in Houston, and BB Lemon on Washington Ave and a new. BB um, secret creation opening soon. Yeah, so that's that's, a, that's some pretty that's, neat news. That's going to be it? that's going to be some cool stuff. So we'll tell you about that as it as it unfolds. Uh, welcome to number one hundred and forty six, and a big thank you. Speaking of B and B, by the way, a big thank you to uh, Jeremiah. Uh, from B&B, Jeremiah Butler, who was our co-host uh, with me last week because Ian was on location. I was on location. Yeah, so uh, before we get into our guest and get into uh, uh, this wine stuff, tell me a little bit about your adventures, Ian Barry. <laughs> well, so uh, so the well, first off, I did watch the show last week, so if, if yes. anyone out there is watching this, I knew you, were there you saw because, me commenting. Yeah, the snide comments were increased somewhat <laughs> last week because uh, I was seeing your comments. I actually, so we flew into we flew into Vegas, and uh, one of our first stops is we went over to the forum shops over at Caesars yep, and yep. Uh, went to uh, Casa Fuente, yep. and I had one of their exclusive cigars there. It was absolutely fantastic. Sat there and had... Drinks, as I sent you pictures, I believe you yes. even uh, uh, yes, it was showed wonderful. the camera a picture. That was a great time. So that was a lot of fun during the show. And then um, the next day, I went and registered for uh, the uh, IPCPR. Which is the big retail convention of pipe and tobacco realtors. Yes. Although they're changing their name, uh, it's now going to be a lot shorter. But anyway, we'll it get to will, that. It will now be known as the event formerly known as the IPCPR. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but but you, you somehow... Like found your way yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, I snuck my way in. Uh, uh, we went to the general, uh, 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 the, uh, sorry, the, I said general, the uh, opening party on Friday night, right. which was a blast, and it was a who's who. Everyone was there. Um, uh, we ended up meeting a whole bunch of people, had a great time. You in the middle of a uh, cigar convention? No. <laughs> yeah. I Next mean, thing you you're going to tell me you were place, drinking whiskey. Right. You walk <laughs> into this place, and they just give you whiskey and cigars. Yeah. Totally terrible place to hang out. Yeah, oh yeah, terrible, I, I terrible. can see. I can see how it was a real drag for you. <laughs> so it was. Uh, it was the launch of uh, Cohiba's new um, uh, uh, Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, which uh, it was a little underwhelming to me. But you know, it was a free cigar and it wasn't bad. 
Yeah. So, but the nice thing is, like, all the cigar reps were there, so everyone's like, well, if you're not enjoying that so much, here, have one of these. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> of course, I ran into Alan Denny a bunch of times. I ran oh, yeah. Into, you'll see some videos of some of this stuff, too, because at the, at the convention, uh, I, I just had a blast. Ran into Matt Booth a few times. Yeah. Um, and he's he was he always He was probably fun. stalking you, because Matt, <laughs> Matt Booth has a thing for you. Let's just say it right now. Matt, Matt Booth, Booth is, likes bears. Yes, he um, does. <laughs> <laughs> that's our... Yeah, that, no, he was he was a lot of slogan. fun. So yeah, I even got a uh, I even got a little short uh, uh, snippet of an interview with him. Basically, so when I went uh, when I went uh, and and uh, snuck my way into the uh, convention itself on Saturday, I ran into um, quite a few people that we've uh, we've known and mm-hmm. uh, and have had on the show. Uh, Husto was there. Uh, Alan Denny was there, of course. Um, I uh, met a bunch of people. Uh, uh, one of the fun interviews I had was the uh, uh, Zykar. Uh, oh, the Zykar uh, rep. rep. Yeah. Oh, uh, awesome. And he's actually the local rep, the, uh, the Houston and Dallas area rep. Houston, Austin, Dallas area rep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was pretty cool showing us some of the new stuff that he's got. Um, uh, I was really excited about all the accessories there. That that was super cool because you don't always see that. A lot of shops don't carry a ton of accessories. Mm-hmm. Some shops carry very minimal um, so you don't get to see like all the coolest crazy stuff. So there was there was some actually pretty cool things there, and I was buzzing in and out of all the different booths and trying to get uh, trying to get just a couple minutes with people. You right. know, I was trying to be as unobstructive as possible. <coughs> Ran into the guys from Half Wheel. They were they were uh, pretty cool. Both of them were exhausted. I bet <laughs> they're yeah. like. They're like, I wish I was just walking around with an iPad. <laughs> they were both like, those were the days, right? Yeah, right. Well, uh, I, I'm amazed, actually, that you were able to just, you know, move so freely about in you know, the presence uh, of all they, those uh, everyone cigar Everyone was so fun there. Like, yeah. everyone is like, only, uh, so a couple of the booths were a little less approachable because they were just so busy. You yeah. know, um, uh, acid especially. The acid booth was hilarious because it's it was huge and it was just a disco party the entire time. <laughs> um, <laughs> as you can it. imagine, like that that would be. I ran into a couple interesting things. Uh, Benchmade Knives was there. Apparently, they've been there for fifteen years. Nice. They've they've showed up there and and just as a part of the culture, you know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. knives and cigars go kind of well together. Uh, they had some beautiful stuff. Uh, I, I ended up chatting with those guys for a little while. That was a lot of fun. Um, there was a lot of new stuff there. Um, I will, uh, we'll be spreading out these interviews over the next uh, uh, bunch of uh, yeah, programs, I'm sure. Next number of shows, and, yeah. uh, and, and like I said, a lot of them were real short. They were like five minutes or less. I just, I just would, if I could get a few minutes with a guy. I got Robert Holt from uh, Southern oh, nice. Draw. Nice. Uh, he was super cool, super nice guy. I got... Uh, uh, I ran into just tons of people. Tom Polar was there. I mean, tons of people we've had on the show. It was nice. a great time, and everyone was so happy to see us, and I was so happy to see everybody. So, so I can't imagine that you have an affirmative answer to this, but did you smoke anything interesting lately? <laughs> <laughs> so I did. You know, it, it's funny because uh, um, yesterday I had that uh, that Trinidad that was a great cigar um, yes. that was uh, over at uh, Stogie's that was um, – uh, Jorge's recommendation. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that, and I thought I could sit down and write up a, a review on that, but I didn't. I actually, um, I actually sat down and smoked a pipe this morning. Did you? Yeah, I I brought out one of my uh, one of my fancier looking pipes. It's a Nording uh, Freehand, and it is a absolutely beautiful pipe. And I uh, pulled out my 2009 Special Reserve Peterson tobacco. Okay. And had that, and that's a uh, that's got uh, it's a Virginia base tobacco. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, uh, so so Virginia-based tobacco, the Virginia tobacco is in a, in a pipe 
format are a little bit cigarette-y, if that makes any sense. It mm-hmm. has a little bit of that kind of that sort of tobacco fresh uh, too, yeah. cigarette kind of tobacco, uh, but not not just like a cigarette, but a little bit like that. And then it also had some uh, um, some brown and uh, black Cavendish to sweeten it up. And the Cavendish is a uh, fermented. Mm-hmm. Um, Fermented Pipe tobacco, tobacco that, yeah. uh, that really uh, brings in a lot of uh, sweet flavors, especially like vanilla, and it, it makes the room note just absolutely amazing. This is the kind of tobacco that when you light it up, everyone around you goes, that smells so good. Right. And right. inevitably someone goes, my grandfather used to smoke a pipe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> every single time. That seems to be a thing, doesn't every, it? Yeah, yes. every single time. So, so that, but yeah, so I, I just sat outside and uh, I decided, you know, no, no cigar this morning. I had, I had two cigars yesterday. And that's uh, that was okay, and I just felt like a pipe today. So the uh, the 2009 Peterson Special Reserve, you can't buy it. It was a 2009 edition. I have some left. Um, there should be pictures going up so on there. Got to the hit you up for it. Yeah, what right. saying. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it was find absolutely fantastic. And, I just I just sat down get him to share. It. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I uh, enjoyed something really uh, interesting uh, this week, and I also smoked the uh, Trinidad that you were talking about yes. uh, yesterday. And I'll we'll get to a review of that because it was it was spectacular. But uh, wanted to mention a cigar that I had uh, this week, which was the Romeo San Andres. Uh, by Romeo and Julieta. Uh, this was the Robusto, which was a long Robusto, and it was a gorgeous and very dark colored cigar, uh, darker than most Maduros, almost like an Oscuro uh, uh, looking wrapper. It seems like I keep reviewing cigars on the show that Adam gave me. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's because he makes great right. gift choices. I don't know. But uh, he gave me this one for Father's Day, and I had uh, had it sitting in the humidor for a little while uh, and smoked it a little bit earlier this week. I had heard good things about this particular cigar before Adam got it for me, but I had not heard up until he told me that it was blended by, guess who? Oh, it had AJ to be. AJ Fernandez. Yeah. You're yep. such a fanboy. I am. I'm a card-carrying AJ <laughs> fanboy. So I was super excited to try it. Uh, Pre-Light was all earth and richness. It was a, you know, We talk about cigars sometimes having an earthy right. aroma to them, especially before the Pre-Light. If what I would usually describe as earthy was a one. This was like a five. Oh, it wow. was just like way earthier than uh, than normal on the pre-light. There were probably some other notes in there, but it was so earthy that was all I could That's really came through, yeah right? all I could really pull out of it. Uh, so I used a punch. I lit it up. It was one of those cigars I knew. I was going to like this right away from the very beginning. Uh, the wrapper, by the way, was a dark Mexican San Andres wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and Nicaraguan and Dom- Dominican fillers. Uh, the earthiness that I got on the prelate, it was there from the very first puff, uh, puff and it, it really never let up the whole time that I smoked the cigar. Other notes did start to weave their way in and out, though, which kept it really interesting. There was this very pleasant kind of a charred wood flavor, but not not in a bad way, in a right, really right. nice uh, aromatic way uh, that hit after about an inch in or so. And I also started to get some dark chocolate. By the last third, here came the pepper. It really had settled in, and it was uh, it was it was wonderful. Um, to be honest, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was a really really good cigar. Uh, it burned a tiny bit unevenly, but not to the point where I felt like I needed to touch it up. I let it go and smoked it right down to the nub. Okay, I admit. I like AJ's stuff. I, 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 I admit it. That said, this one stood out as being quite a bit different from the other AJ creations that I usually uh, will smoke. I loved it. Uh, I think about an 8 to $9 cigar retail, so price to quality, I landed at a 6 point. 
five. And uh, nice. we'll explain to uh, Mark, our guest, our price to quality uh, structure in a moment. But basically, Mark, for for the show here, we use a one to ten scale, but five on the scale means. And we don't rate everything this way, but we always do with the cigars at least. Five means that you got exactly what you paid for. So if it's an $8 cigar, smokes like an $8 cigar, and it's really, really good, five is a great rating. If it gets a six or a six and a half, that means we actually wouldn't have been upset if we'd had to pay you know, $9, dollars, $10, more, $12 for that. If it gets less than a five, means, yeah, we didn't, didn't feel like it was quite worth the money. Could still have been good. Right, but not quite maybe worth the the price, depending. So I'm sure that's probably true in wine too. And wine is the reason that we have asked uh, Mark to come on the show today. Mark, welcome to the program. Thanks is, so much. I'm happy is, to be here. It is really nice to have you. You are the beverage director for the Rainbow Lodge. That's just right. just for the uninitiated among us, <laughs> what does a beverage director do exactly? All right. So um, what I do is everything that you can sip, I handle. Okay. Um, and that's bottled waters. That's hot teas. That's that's all the bar, um, the the cocktails in the bar, um, cocktails as well as the spirits that are absolutely uh, on the shelf right, um, and um, then the wine list as well. I I, um, I handle the creation and the curation um, of the cellar and our list, um, and that involves a lot of a lot of tasting. Well, that's the <laughs> worst part of the job. Yeah. Right? <laughs> a lot of people ask us why we started this show, and we tell them it's really a very simple one-word answer. Samples. samples, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly why we started. I, the show. You know, my my life isn't bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not it's not tough to come to work and do this. Uh, how long have you been with Rainbow Lodge? Uh, almost four years now. Okay, uh, Rainbow's been around for forty two. We'll celebrate forty two years um, at the end of the year. That's amazing. Here, yeah, for uh, any restaurant bar uh, establishment. To last that long yeah. is like defying the. It odds. really is a beautiful place. I remember going to the Rainbow Lodge when it was on the uh, in the older location off of uh, Memorial Drive, right? Uh-huh. Which was really nice. And now I think that's become uh, Brenner's, Brenner's. Yeah, yeah. Brenner's. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you guys moved over to TC Jester thirteen years ago. Thirteen years yeah. ago. And uh, and that's a beautiful location too. It's, it's stunning. So- it's a it's a hundred and fifteen year old log cabin. It was yeah. built on site in what was at the time out in the middle of nowhere. And now, of course, we're in the middle of the right. middle of everywhere. And city. What's, <laughs> what's really amazing about that spot is when you walk in. Uh, first off, you have it really looks like a lodge. Yeah. Like that that whole ambiance is yeah. there. But the out back, you're in the middle of Houston here, and mm-hmm. when you walk out back, you don't even feel like it because you get that beautiful outdoor with the. Uh, with the water running through, uh-huh. really, really nice. It's a you know we see a proposal almost every day. Yeah, day. yeah, absolutely. I bet. Well, I speaking bet. of proposal, and it wasn't a proposal <laughs> that happened, but I met Mark uh, when he was involved with the Backstreet Cafe, and it was my first date with the woman that is now my wife. Oh, nice. Our first kiss was standing waiting for the valet to bring the car uh, <laughs> at the. Uh, uh, at the uh, Backstreet Cafe, and that was where I met you. And uh, yeah. my wife had actually known you for quite some time, yeah, and, many years. and had told me uh, how uh, how knowledgeable you were about wine. So we've been talking about doing a wine show for a long time, and I thought, well, okay, if we're going to do a wine show, let's ask Mark and see if we'll go. Well, I, so. I, to be honest with you, <clears throat> this makes much more sense to me now. Um, I, having not very knowledgeable about about cigars and smokers, but the way you described that cigar. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's a lot of correlation, I think, to the winemaking. Maybe not the process, obviously, <clears throat> but but how you described um, the um, the actual the construction. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all those things make a difference. The, the way the different notes come in, <clears throat> in and, and out, out yeah. and how mm-hmm. they, they, you could you could have been talking about wine. I think even in the in the way they're put together, there may be more similarities than you mm-hmm. would think. Ian and I were invited to uh, Honduras mm-hmm. uh, several months ago uh, to go down to the tobacco farm and the rolling uh, areas for um, uh, the Aladino uh, family uh, for cigars. And there, it, it's many of the same things I think you hear about. I don't know as much about it with wine, but it's about ter- terroir. It's about uh, the way the different leaves of a different kind are combined mm-hmm. and blended for a certain uh, effect or for a, for a certain flavor. It's about you know even the different what where the, the leaves come from on the plant from, is right. a different because of how much sun they yeah, get. It's all very and very there's similar. Different strains and and it you know makes me think of what little I do know about about growing grapes and and how the uh, you know the soil is a big thing mm-hmm. and the soil on the shady side of the of the bluff is much different than the soil on the other side and all all of those kind of things right. that, and it, and that and people it, who know wine the know, vines, know how the, to do. If the grape leaves are covering the, the bunches mm-hmm. um, and are shielded from the sun, that all makes a difference. It's, mm-hmm. it's it, very, Not necessarily very awesome, better or worse, just depends what you're going for. Well, right? yeah. yeah, that's all right. All right, good. See, I'm going to say plenty of wrong stuff, so don't <laughs> don't worry about going. No, no, that's not the way it works <laughs> no, at all. So, right. so anyway, we I are, should have a buzzer and just yeah. like, eh, <laughs> sorry. Actually, oh, I think actually, he, I think Ian has you, one. You do he this can, one. <laughs> that's like one of my favorite yeah. sounds on here. We or, have. Uh, there you go. You will <laughs> notice, Mark. I know you've been on a few other shows, and know yeah. you have a background in, in broadcasting as well. So, uh, you are undoubtedly really shocked and envious at our high tech sound effects. <laughs> that's right, and and, and, and and it's okay. We we're used to that. You it know, gets people, the job done. That's yeah, people. The yeah, that's that's the way people do. The best is when Ian thinks he's hitting hitting one button and he hits another. Completely right. Yeah. Different this, one, this happens. From and time it's the to completely time. inappropriate. Drum roll, that. please. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is this is why this is why it's why the show is so highly. This is the rated. only reason you have me on here. Yeah, it's why the show is so highly rated, except for the fact that I've only read one uh, review <laughs> one and review. only about one third of that because I uh, yeah because uh, I didn't want to go changing just to please you, and that's uh, that's the way it is. So uh, so Mark, uh, you in in addition to uh, your job as beverage director. You've also been explain this to me because I read this about you uh, that you've had one of the published top 100 wine lists for Wine Enthusiast magazine. That's right. How does that happen? Uh, they and c- <laughs> and and how did you do it? Well, uh, it was um, it was um, for uh, a different uh, restaurant that uh, mm-hmm. for a restaurant that's not even open anymore. But okay. uh, but uh, yeah, they came in and um, read the list and pulled me aside and said, "Would you mind signing this waiver? We're with Wine Enthusiast Magazine." And and I kind of looked it over and I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm not sure what you're doing, but hey, any public any publicity, uh, yeah, sure, publicity yeah. is good mm-hmm. publicity." And so um, they um, uh, within a few months, I got an advanced copy in the mail and I was listed as one of the top 100 wine lists in the in the country. That is so cool! That's awesome. Wow, that's that's really yeah. cool. And and when when someone's listed, a, is is it about the uh, the magnitude of choice, or is it more about the careful curation? Well, I think of what I, you have? I think it it all depends on the concept. If yeah. you've got a small wine bar or a very um, niche 
um, uh, concept as far as food is concerned in your mm-hmm. restaurant. Well, then you you want to balance that with with an appropriate size and breadth of, of list. So it isn't about having thousands and thousands. No, of wines I mean now the Wine Spectator um, um, restaurant wine list awards were just announced um, mm-hmm. for which we won. Congratulations! Uh, again, thank you. Um, but uh, and 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 there are three different levels. One of them, the top one, um, which. There was up until last week. There was only one restaurant in town that had it. Now there's three, um, which is quite an accomplishment for a city like this to have those three uh, with a grand award. And mm-hmm. th- what that entails is not only having tens of thousands of bottles of wine, um, but having um, uh, depth in in vintages, mm-hmm. um, in uh, verticals. In other words many different vintages from the same producer right. or the same wine mm-hmm. um, large formats and sh- small formats for um, for events and banquets and things like that so all, a, a lot of that that makes sense and, and we it. have we um, at, at Rainbow Lodge have all of that we just don't have the seller that say a Pappas uh, right. does you know it, our um, um, our, our, our the depth and our let me let me go back the average bottle price um, at Rainbow Lodge um, is about one hundred and fifty dollars, um, so you don't have to go and spend eighteen thousand dollars on a on a bottle of right, wine. Right, right. Um, that's a that's a handy thing to have, but it's right. just not something that that um, that the Rainbow Lodge um, does. We we feel very strongly that that um, you should enjoy your entire experience there, um, and it shouldn't cost. A, a crazy amount. And if you spend $18,000 on, on the bottle, either you're very wealthy or <laughs> you may not enjoy your experience yeah. so much because you may be sitting there going, oh, Stressing ouch, about the ouch. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, not only do I want you to have what you want um, uh, that I can that I can help with, mm-hmm. but I want you to spend – I want it to be a value. I want it to be a, a, a good deal for having, you. Having been there, I have to say the, the way the wine list is set up is really nice, too, because, uh, you know, I don't know a lot about wine, so I can get kind of intimidated by wine lists because it's just too much. It's like I, I don't even know what I'm looking at a lot yeah. of times, and, uh, and I just, you know, kind of go, here – wife you choose <laughs> do something <laughs> but it's it, it actually was set up really nice the last time we were in there and it made it really easy to to choose something well and again that's it it, it goes to the point that it, not everybody my occupation has some um there's some thoughts about people who do what i do um and that we're all trying to make you spend way more money than you should and that, that kind of thing what i'm what i've known for and what i'm i'm trying to to get out of this is that you don't have to spend a lot of money and you don't need if you're uncomfortable chatting with me you don't need to call me over i don't have to go to the table and chat with you so i try to make it as easy as possible for you to not only order something that you may not need to pronounce by the number (laughs) (laughs) or number 18 which which also allows your guests not to know what you paid for it in case you need to you know if you're surprising somebody with something nice or you're on a budget and you uh you don't want to um uh don't want to be obvious about it right that kind of Mm -hmm. thing so well and 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 at fine dining restaurants that that's that's a real thing like Mm -hmm. like you can feel a little overwhelmed if you're there for a special occasion and it's not generally in your uh, price range at a place like that. It can that can be intimidating mm-hmm. as well, and you don't want everyone knowing exactly what you're spending on everything. So that's sure, that's yeah. a nice thing. So there there aren't many forty dollar bottles on on the list at Rainbow Lodge, but the ones that are there are really really. In fact, we're going to have one today. Um, are that I f- I feel are very. 
um, high quality and great. So you don't have to feel bad about only spending $40, right. mm -hmm. even though the average mm -hmm. bottle is in the $150 range. And don't get me wrong, you can spend $1,500 at the Lodge right. if you want yeah, to. If you want to, sure. <laughs> I've got, course, I've got that. There, yeah. But, um, but it's, it's certainly not necessary, and I'm going to be able to, to steer you. And if you do choose to, to chat with me, call me over. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to steer you in, the, in a direction that I think you'll be happy with. Okay, I got a lot of questions, and uh, and I think um, this is a good time to take a break because I want to start the tasting before we uh, before we get too far thirsty, too much yeah. further into the questions. Yes, I am. So uh, so we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. It is uh, show number one hundred and forty six. It's the first smoking and toasting wine show with our special guest Mark Burrell from the Rainbow Lodge, and we'll be right back. Back, it's smoking and toasting. It is show number one hundred and forty-six. This is our wine show, the first time we've ventured into the wine arena. So uh, hopefully, this will be uh, something that'll be uh, fun and informative. And uh, I know that it will be tasty. Well, I haven't tasted yet, but I, I have a feeling. I, I have faith. Big tragedy this week, Ian. Fire at the Jim Beam Warehouse in uh, in Kentucky, in Versailles, Kentucky. Oh, no. Uh, left uh, in its wake both an environmental and a bit of a financial mess for Beam Suntory. Um, they, you know, I'm sure will be able to absorb the financial part of it. The environmental one is something that will be playing out. But the fire um, happened in the early hours of the day before Fourth of July. It was last Tuesday, wow. and it destroyed forty-five thousand barrels of young whiskey. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. That was according to a statement that uh, the Beam people put out. So fortunately, no one was uh, killed gonna or injured. It's going to be a bit of a, sor a shortage in seven years. Yeah, yeah, a shortage of Jim Beam anyway. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure there'll be plenty plenty of other things out there. But, uh, but you know, uh, that's not necessarily a go-to for me when it comes to, uh, to whiskey. But, you know, still. It's still a tragedy. Yes, it's yes. still a tragedy that we can all uh, that we can all feel for. So, uh, so welcome back to the show. We are brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant, eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. I was recently reminded of the amazingness of bacon uh, with the trip to B and B. <laughs> bacon, bacon, and, bacon. Oh my God! And let me just say, I've never mentioned this before either. The lamb chops. Holy cow. See, this is not something you would necessarily... But it's not a cow. That's why it's ironic. Holy lamb, yes. <laughs> that, 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 it's not something you would think to order because you would think you're going and ordering a steak. Right. And uh, uh, so... Um, have you yeah. had the the bacon parm at, at BB oh, Lemon? It's, oh yes, oh, yeah. it's wonderful. It's incredible. It's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> it's absolutely uh, it's amazing. wonderful. In fact, mark us down for another live broadcast. We got to get more of that. <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> uh, so Mark Burrell is here. Uh, mark is the um, uh, the beverage director for the Rainbow Lodge and uh, has you know been been involved in the wine side of the industry. How do you get into? Because I know you were in broadcasting. Yeah. And then somehow you made the transition from broadcasting <laughs> to what you're doing now. How, did, how does that even happen? All right. So so the story is that um, <clears throat> I was on the radio back in in, in Beaumont, and uh, I, I just didn't feel like I was making any money. Well, you weren't. Which you know, of yeah. course. <laughs> so I went to I went to the program director, and I, I said, "Hey, look, um, I'd like to continue doing this, but I need to find something supplemental. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on that?" And he looked at me and he said, "So you're putting in your notice?" 
and so I did. Um, and, I guess so. Uh, yeah. And and part of what I was doing at at the um, at the, uh, the radio stations in in uh, in Beaumont was uh, there. I was their program their uh, promotions director and handled a lot of their their print advertising. Uh, you know, this was so you probably dealt with a lot of the spirit and yeah. wine and, and beer. Well, and what it did is it got me into the uh, the print production business, and oh, I, I moved see. to Houston to do that. Took a part time job at the city clubs just so I could play tennis indoors. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of how the hosp- the whole hospitality thing working. But what really got me into the wine was um, a gentleman by the name of Mike Sammons, who um, was with uh, 13 Celsius, okay. uh, the wine yeah, bar yeah. in mm-hmm. Midtown. It's one of the best lists in town. Um, and they have tons of things to drink by the glass, uh, which was very adventurous um, uh, at that time, a very young mm-hmm. wine bar. Um, and I just I took it from there and fell in love with with everything about it and the production and and have since um, <clears throat> uh, have have done this for for several different uh, um, uh, entities. Um, but one of the things that 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 sets it apart is the fact that I do travel. I've been to all of these wineries. I've I've been to um, uh, a lot of these different regions and and spirits as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's it's it's. It, you don't really understand um, the wine. You can sure, yeah, it tastes great, but until you've been in it, sure, you can 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 you immerse yourself in the culture of it. Yeah, and yeah. once you're there, you get it, and right. you understand what we were chatting the soil and the and the and the leaves mm-hmm. and the kind of the uh, rocks and its its altitude and right, you know how mm-hmm. it faces mm-hmm. the sun, and a lot of that makes makes a big big difference, and I think it uh, it helps. I want to once again. And this will be about the 13th or 14th time on this show that I've done this. I once again want to curse my high school guidance counselor who never <laughs> mentioned right. that this kind of vocation Yeah, this, this is a real job. That you could le- drink for a living. <laughs> much, much, less, <laughs> much less that you could actually, you know, uh, actually make a living for. No, it, it's, it's got to have been – well, I, I think it's something you've got to have a passion for, though, yeah. to be really good at. Mm-hmm. In, in fairness, though, I, I, I can't imagine – you know, being a great sommelier, a great beverage director, if you didn't enjoy wine and, and spirits and, and understand, you know, that you're going to learn about what you're passionate about. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, because it's not it's not just drinking. You know, I joke about that, but but it's a lot of chemistry. It's a lot of mm-hmm. um, geography. You know, maps are a big, big deal. Um, it's a lot about um, uh, the production and the blending and the winemaking and the type of bottle and the cork. The, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot right. to know, and right. it's ever evolving because yeah. this year's uh, this year's crop's going to be different. And next yeah. year's are going to be have some different flavors yeah. and things like that. Yeah, you no mentioned the you vintage do. tobacco earlier. Every vintage of grapes, right? Are, it's different. It makes the the wine taste mm-hmm. taste different. And then there are ways to get around that so that it can have a you know these bigger names can have a similar style and flavor every year, every mm-hmm. vintage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's one of the the cool things about um, especially the stuff that I brought was is that that it does change a little the blend might change or the the um you might get something else out of this particular varietal um year after year and i think it's really interesting you i was excited because before the show you mentioned we would uh start with the bubbles and i that's yeah. that's <laughs> of, of all of the different you know styles of wine i do love sparkling wine uh probably the most. it's probably what i consume the most and me too a, a lot of people uh, think that's a little strange because they think of it as it's only for celebrations. I'm like, well, then I'm celebrating uh, very regularly because <laughs> this is this is this a is go-to, delicious. and this we is always great. we always have um, 
uh, a bottle of sparkling cold in the refrigerator at our house. Just always, just just in case something good happens, and then you can celebrate it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I I have I have um, bubbles almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I absolutely love it, and and this particular one is, is one of my favorites. It's very full flavored, isn't it? Is, mm-hmm. Isn't it? So this is <clears throat> this is from Ridgeview Wine Estates in uh, Southern England, and mm-hmm. I know that your listeners right now are going crazy. What England makes wine? <laughs> they do, and, and they sparkling wine, to and boot, they make yeah. really really great sparkling down in Sussex, um, um, which is uh, due south of London, um, just not far from the coast. In fact, I was there a few months ago um, and took the train from the airport um, and halfway to Brighton was where the winery was and I spent the night in Brighton and uh, it was it was a really great trip but it really got to um, I, I got to understand why this wine is as good as it is. So the northern, well, a lot of people think that the northernmost wine region um, is somewhere in the Champagne area, mm-hmm. um, and we're not much further north than than where Champagne is now. And so what they did originally, uh, way back in the day, um, is take th- those ideas on how to make the method Champenoise, mm-hmm. how to make Champagne, mm-hmm. and they brought them into into southern England, which has um, geologically speaking, similar um, uh, topography and similar soil. This chalky soil, where the um, where Champagne with these three Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and uh, and Pinot Meunier thrive, and folks like Ridgeview um, are doing uh, just a really great job at it. In fact, um, Ridgeview um, recently just got a visit from the royal family. Nice. And this particular wine um, was served at the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Wow. Not too long ago, yeah. Nice. So this is their non-vintage Bloomsbury um, sparkling. We can't call it, we can't call it champagne because it doesn't right, come from champagne. It doesn't come champagne. from champagne, right? But um, but it is their um, their really great. This, the the flavor on this is so good. It's it's green grape, but like right next to the skin with a little tartness to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that citrus, that really bright high citrus notes. Yeah. That, that crisp lemony, not lemon yeah, yeah. cream, but more like lemon meringue. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a little peachiness that you can get from there, um, including the skin. I think that that mm-hmm. uh, that that uh, um, kind of brings in some of the high notes of the acid. Is this is this on your list? It is. In or? fact, I serve this by the glass right now. Fifteen nice. bucks by the glass. Nice. Yeah. And in, fa- in fact, why? Because I'll tell you this: um, British sparkling wine isn't isn't inexpensive. Um, and and on the same trip, I went to a big wine show in Germany in Dusseldorf and met with them and the importer actually and chatted with them and ta- uh, about this and how much I would love to see more of this in the market. But for I don't know sixty five dollars or so, why wouldn't crazy Americans just get champagne because right. they don't know anything about this? And right. I had to explain that to them, and they said, "All right, Mark." You feel like you can handle this? Let's let's do this. And they made me a great um, a great deal that I wanted to pass along to our to our guests. And so yeah, we sell this for fifteen bucks a glass. That's fantastic. Yeah, that really that's is. outstanding. That really is. I I love the quality that it has. I call it the Doritos quality because I, I read somewhere that that Doritos are like scientifically like chemically engineered to make you want another one. Yep. Once you and this has this has some of that same uh, effect like once you've swallowed and, and the you know the flavors just lingering on there on your tongue it makes you go I would really like I love another the, sip of that. The little you know? tart dryness yes. that it leaves you with is just mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. delicious. Well, and that's and that's one of the things that I think that, that makes this wine so special is that it is it is easy and complex at the same time. We can sit here and talk about you know the different nuances of this mm-hmm. of this wine for for hours, 
but at the end, it's just damn delicious, yeah, and, really it's, and you just really want to drink it. And by the way, Mark's never coming on the show again because I used the Dorito effect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought that was brilliant. Wine <laughs> it works like great. Doritos. <laughs> right. um, so this is uh, it gives Taco Bell something to look forward yeah, to. That's right. That's right. I I love sparkling wine, as I said. Um, but I want to ask you about something that I haven't been able to wrap my head around, and maybe you can tell me why. The Prosecco thing. Mm-hmm. I just I have <laughs> not been able to find Prosecco that I like. For me, it's too sweet. Like, this has a sweetness, but it's totally different. Right. It's, it's, uh, it happens at a different place on the palate. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Prosecco thing, like, I can't get past the sweetness. Am I, am I drinking too cheap a Prosecco when I do that, or, um. or, or is it... No, no. I, I think the a good number of proseccos are are sweet on purpose, and and it has a lot to do with with they can they can harvest the grapes a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, they can um, add what's called residual sugar. Um, prosecco is made in a different way than mm-hmm. than this wine and then champagne is. Um, okay. And there are sweeter versions of. Of champagne, of course, for, yes. For that matter, they're um, not the ones I usually gravitate towards. You know what? But. Here's the thing: is uh, I'm a big believer in the fact that you should drink what you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm honest, I'm not a big sweet wine person either. I mean, there's some there's some um, um, uh, differences that that I could chat about, but <clears throat> it's it's not my kind of thing. And and the American palate, generally speaking, leans towards Lean toward the sweeter. sweeter. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these big-named wines um, in California and, and things that get get distributed specifically to the American audience mm-hmm. often are tweaked in, in, in that way mm. to a sweeter side. So when you say tweaked, is, is it, you're talking about the type of grapes that they're using or something like that? You're yeah. not talking about additive, something added... Well, in you know, I'm I'm not going to get myself in trouble, but in in some cases, there there might be. Okay, okay, yeah. gotcha. I understand. Well, it it seems to me that uh, when you go to a place that maybe has a a much smaller wine list, it seems like prosecco is taking a larger and larger percentage of the sparkling. Uh, choices. Well, and I think there. I think if you have a smaller wine list, that's your opportunity to kind of play around and go. All right, no, I'm sorry, we don't have prosecco, but we have this that I think you'll like. And it's because if the list is smaller, they don't have much more choices. Right, right. You know what I mean, I get it, I get it. Well, well, certainly this is for anyone who does like sweet wines. I would encourage them to try this because it has a definite sweetness to it, but it is so much more. I don't know, so much more refined. It's it, it hits at such a more awesome part of the mm-hmm. palate than just that yeah. right up front sugariness. Uh, it's not that kind of sweet. It's a more sweet and tart sort of existing yeah. with each other there. That's It's really, really good. But it does this finish a, dry. like Yeah, that yeah. oaky yes, dryness on which the I end really so like. nice. Yeah, which I really like. Well, that is terrific. So, did you discover this when you went to the uh, winery? Or? No, the, um, the, um, the importer um, I'm, I'm friendly with the the importers um, and um, have been shown have been uh, given samples and shown this mm-hmm. this wine for many years and and up until um, up until I went and did, and had a chat with him, I didn't think that it was while it's delicious and it's great. I call it couch wine. It's perfect for me to go home mm-hmm. and sit on my couch, mm-hmm. but it may not have been appropriate for for the list. Um, and I think that the price is what made it happen. It just sit there. If, if I had to sell this mm-hmm. for thirty dollars. Um, a glass, or you know, um, a hundred and fifteen dollars. Right. People, people would buy champagne instead. Absolutely, right? yeah. because you can get champagne mm-hmm. um, for. Yeah, I have one on, on my list now for sixty five dollars, and that's uh, and it's a great it's a great bottle. Um, so you can get champagne 
for this price. But I I believe that a lot of um, uh, the non-enthusiast people mm-hmm. um, would rather go to a brand that they know something or, they know they're yeah, gonna like if they they, okay. they see the word champagne they're like ooh, i'll have that right mm-hmm. um and and because i was able to bring it down now what that's done is taken the price out of the equation so let's say you don't want to spend twenty dollars on on a glass of champagne or however much it is well there here's an option it's only fifteen dollars maybe it's not exactly what you were hoping for name wise um, or region-wise, but it's really, really good, and I think mm-hmm. you're going to enjoy it, and that's that's why it's here. Wow, that's that's terrific. And let me ask you this about wines by the glass. For the restaurant, is there? Uh, I can certainly imagine it would be with sparkling. Is one of the reasons they don't offer more wines by the glass in in many places because there's there's wine winds up being wasted. Uh, because uh, the bottle's open and eventually mm-hmm. you got to get rid of it. Could it, right? be, it could be one of the reasons. If, the, if the, that restaurant doesn't have the volume to support mm-hmm. um, a large by the glass program, well, then you end up throwing a bunch of stuff yeah. away. Um, because, you know, you might get, you know, uh, with a good seal on bubbles, three days, um, a couple days on the, um, on the red, maybe four or five days on, on the mm-hmm. white at the most. Um, and that's if they're stored properly. Um, but if you don't go through those four glasses, or five in the in the case of a bubbles mm-hmm. that uh, in in that length of time, well then you got to throw the rest of it out. Yeah. Which also, generally speaking, you know we we have a different pricing model. Um, it it also generally means that that wine's a bit more expensive because they right. have to make sure that that bottle's paid for. Right. Even with if that some first that glass, glass right. and a half or something mm-hmm. included. Yep. That makes sense. You know sense. all the taxes that the TABC um, uh, uh, imposes on us, and, and there's a, there's a lot to consider when mm-hmm. you're talking about by the glass program. So that's one of the reasons you don't see more right. stuff available by the uh, Fortunately, you know, we have the volume. Rainbow Lodge, 42 right. years. We, yeah. there's yeah. The, the, the volume is, is there so but that I can support one it. One of the cool me. things about having someone who curates the wine list like you do is you can go into a place like that, and it doesn't matter what price point. You can buy a bottle, and it's always going to be good. Yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. For whatever price point it is, it's going to be. I'm proud of every every single bottle on on, on that list. Um, um, and I and – I, I have some things on there that maybe I wouldn't per- personally drink at home, but absolutely I have it there for you. Um, and it's and it's uh, if if that's what you want, you got it absolutely. Ian, do we have Mr. Twirly Gig uh, functional for the show today? I don't know if we do, but I, I thought you should. Uh, I thought you should at least show this off to the camera just so people can Let's see that see label. Can, uh, maybe make a note if they're uh, going to be headed into Rainbow Lodge uh, anytime soon. Well, I can put it up uh, on the camera. There anyway. you go. We'll just do it that way. The manual. Uh, we have, uh, Mark, a very high-tech uh, device, which we refer to as Mr. Twirligig, yes. that we often like to set the bottle we'll, we'll on. show that off. And then, and then you know, turn it on so it will just oh, uh, look at that. rotate for the camera. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very QVC. Very QVC. Right. All right. So, uh, I need this, one of those at home. This, right. is, this is spectacular. What a way to start. Um, let's uh, take a break. And when we come back, I didn't mention, by the way, in our fourth segment today, uh, we're going to be doing a little tequila tasting, and I hope you will join us. Uh, oh, Mark, I have a, a twist my arm. A brand new uh, tequila. It's a reposado, but it's the tequila Micampo. I say, but like like reposados actually can be very very good. Uh-huh. Uh, it just depends on the tequila. But uh, uh, I'm I am spoiled to always sort of. I'm an añejo chaser. I'll admit it. I, I do I do chase <laughs> the añejo. But uh, but this one is a reposado from Tequila Micampo. Fascinating uh, a cover art, which we'll share uh, when we get to that segment. And we will also be. Um, 
bringing you in our next segment uh, some of Ian's adventures slash misadventures in Las Vegas at the IPCPR. Oh, do we have an edit oh, of that Adam already? has edited some up awesome. and has it uh, ready to roll. So he is back on the wheels of steel, standing by. <laughs> uh, so we'll do that when we come back. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 146. It's our wine show. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 146. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And, of course, uh, BB Lemon right across the street from the uh, uh, from the location in Houston. And mm-hmm. uh, we were just talking about BB Lemon, actually, uh, earlier on the show. That's, bacon, uh, bacon, bacon. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that Parmesan bacon there. <laughs> so good. Oh, good. my God. Okay, so whatever your politics are, if you're a cigar uh, aficionado... Or just a person who likes cigars who doesn't use the word aficionado. Um, you've got to love uh, Senator Marco Rubio, the Republican uh, from Florida, because this man is on a like one-man tear to basically try to save the cigar industry from unnecessary uh, regulation. He um, spoke out this last week and said that Congress must act. These are his exact words. Congress must. must act to save the U.S. cigar industry. And, of course, what he's saying save it from is from this overwhelming and, and unnecessarily burdensome regulation. From, but, from I mean, this guy— Save it from Congress's yeah, own yeah, idiocracy. Right. This yeah. guy is our strongest uh, advocate for this thing. And he's—so so whichever side of the aisle you're on, you have to like Marco Rubio if you like cigars. Because he's out there. He's advocating for uh, cigars, and, and, and he's advocating for uh, the cigar industry and for people mm-hmm. who just enjoy— Having a good smoke every now and then. So uh, so thank you to uh, Marco. He continues to put this out there. And uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I sense there's some wavering, a great disturbance in the force, as it were. Uh, so we will see what happens. Speaking of a disturbance in the force, if you were uh, anywhere near Las Vegas, Nevada this last week and, uh, and sensed that something was different is because Ian was on the move. And there. Uh, and apparently some of his uh, adventures have been gathered. We're going to be featuring quite a bit of this in the next several weeks across the show. But I think, is this kind of like a compilation, Adam? Is that what yeah, this is? Yeah, this is a mix of everything. This is, this is a mix. It's a, I, I, it's all a, I did was give him my iPad. I don't know what he's done yeah, with it's it. A, it <laughs> think, of it, think of it like, you know, like when a rapper in between albums will release a mixtape? That's what this is. <laughs> nice. This is Ian, the Ian mixtape uh, from Vegas. And uh, here it is on Smoking and Toasting. So less shots of you smoking than I would have expected. Well, I had to it, hold it, the camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, I guess I guess that makes a little. There wasn't sense. a whole lot of time while I was at that uh, uh, at the show. Yeah, where I wasn't actually smoking. A cigar. I, I can like, believe that. One of the coolest things is everyone there wants you. Like if they see you without a cigar, they're like they're putting you don't one have in a your cigar. Hand. Here's yeah. a cigar. Yeah. <laughs> Try this. Uh, that's you know what that is. That's that's heaven. That's yeah, that it is. was it was a lot of if fun you, I, and. What's funny is like the, so the very first shot on that uh, where it's just me panning around the place to try and try and convey how huge it is. Mm-hmm. When I walked in, it's it's a little overwhelming, and mm-hmm. so I, I walked around like a tourist in New York for about the first thirty <laughs> minutes. Going, I just literally wandered, had no idea where anything was, yeah. just wandered around, and then kind of got my bearings and went and started formulating a plan. 
uh, as to what booths to go. And I and I kind of was doing this swooping motion through there, especially with guys like Gusto and Tom Poehler and Alan Denny and all the guys that I know, because if they were real busy, I didn't want to... Uh, uh, yeah, you, know, you didn't want to harsh their... Yeah, I didn't want to uh, uh, get in their business. So I kept swooping around, and if I saw them not doing anything, that's when I kind of attacked. I came, well, I'm sure you... Around. You had plenty of opportunity to see <laughs> Alan Denny not doing anything. So uh, that guy was. Yeah, the, he all was those working. Men, all those working guys were working yeah. hard, yeah. man. They were working hard. Well, uh, I can tell you that I firmly believe that if you you know live a good life and you're kind to people and animals, that uh, when you die in some form, whatever it is, pearly gates, reincarnation, whatever it is, that my view of heaven. Is that if you're walking around without a cigar in one hand and a drink in the other, and someone sees you, they immediately say, "Would you like a cigar? Would you like a drink?" <laughs> right. that's, that's just my that's just my view. That's my view of heaven. Nice. I'm I'll be applying for a tax exempt status. Soon. I can I can get and, behind uh, that. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and and working on that. So Mark Burrell is here. Mark is the uh, beverage director at the Rainbow Lodge. Has been. Uh, uh, involved in being beverage director, some uh, a number of uh, notable locations uh, in the greater Houston area, and uh, has really, um, really nailed it with the first bottle. So that was that was terrific. <laughs> I'm still still over here sipping on that. Uh, but Mark, it's time to move to the next thing you wanted us to taste and uh, tell us what this is. Well, it's pink. <clears throat> yes, I and see it's, that. It's nothing to be um, scared of. Okay. Uh, big sm- cigar smoking men. That's it's uh, um, they. You can drink pink, and it's it's gonna be fine. Yeah. This isn't the stuff that your that uh, uh, your mom may have drunk in the eighties. This is like the real deal, right? Did this come out of a nice box? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> a box with a bow on top. It does have a screw cap, but that does that shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. just that just says that your your uh, winery is modern. Yeah. Well. Yeah. If if it has a like screw cap, ninety nine percent of yeah. of the wines that come out of New yeah. Zealand and Australia. <laughs> um, so this is this is from. William Chris, who um, uh, you may recognize, <clears throat> it is a Texas winery. Um, mm-hmm. They are um, um, they're they're making wine from grapes <clears throat> exclusively in Texas, and that's I, I point that out for a reason. The law is now uh, or currently that um, as long as the 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 wine is made in Texas, you can put Texas made. Um, but it doesn't really matter where the, grapes, where the grapes came come from. from. Right. Yeah, so yeah. there is some there is some um, some folks some wineries pushing for a 100% Texas fruit um, clause. Um, and and why not um, when every other region you can't call it a Napa wine unless all the grapes come from Napa, right? Right. right, right. So so the fact that Texas can um, with with so few um, uh, grapes from Texas, um, I think is is a tragedy. And so we at the Rainbow Lodge are very um, uh, conscious of that. And I love uh, I love all wine. Um, and there are some really great Texas wines made out there. So it, yeah, I'm really glad you brought this up because one of my questions was going to be. Is there obviously Texas has got all kinds of different geography, but can you actually grow the grapes you need to make great wine? You can in the state of Texas. Absolutely, you can. There was a gentleman by the name of McPherson, who um, <clears throat> whose father um, decided to start planting some grapes and discovered which grapes, which varietals were appropriate for everything about Texas: the heat, and the, the soil heat, and the soil, the, the altitude, mm-hmm. the distance from the water, all these the the soil mm-hmm. types. Texas is a big place. Texas is the size yes. of France, and so you can get one side of the next, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a whole different thing. Um, and 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 so what what Mr. McPherson did was kind of pioneer the appropriate varietals that are meant for Texas. The sad thing is, and Mr. McPherson uh, lost the battle 
with with this particular thing and then regained it again. But um, the sad thing is, is that these varietals, these Rhone um, and these Mediterranean style varietals aren't as well known as Cabernet and Pinot. Right. Um, and while we can grow a little bit of Cabernet, the Pinot just doesn't work. Um, and what works are these uh, these Mediterranean varietals like Tempranillo, like um, mm -hmm. Rhone varietals like Grenache, mm -hmm. um, some things that you've never heard of like Aglianico. Um, those You're are, right. I've never heard yeah. of them. <laughs> <clears throat> these are these are these are the appropriate varietals. And when when really great winemakers like the folks at William Chris are doing really great wine, they're using these varietals. This is a rosé made with Sangiovese, mm -hmm. which is the um, arguably the most planted grape in Tuscany. Anytime you've had something from from Chianti, I say that because that's a region, not a mm, right. not but a style of wine. Not a style of wine. Yeah. Um, anything from Chianti, it's got some Sangiovese in it. Anything that uh, that you find from 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 Tuscany, the good majority of the wines from Tuscany have Sangiovese in it. So this is majority uh, Sangiovese. There's a little bit of Riesling in here, but Riesling is not always sweet. Um, mm -hmm. What it, this Riesling in this case gives it is a little bit of lift, some of that 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 mm -hmm. fruit and acid on the palate. Um, and then there's a grape that we're going to talk about with the next wine, Morvedra, which is a varietal that is indigenous to the northern coast of the Mediterranean, um, in um, the northern coast of Spain, and in south central um, um, France, um, where the next wine comes from. Um, and so there's some more Vedra in, in here as well. This all comes, all the fruit here comes from the Texas high plains. Okay. Up near Lubbock, mm -hmm. they, they grow it, a lot of. Is right. that a more grape friendly region yeah, from the soil is. and it is. There's a lot. Sample. There's a lot of Venice vinifera grown mm -hmm. in um, in in Lubbock. There are, I think, seven different wine regions in mm -hmm. Texas, and they're kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, um, Some near Austin, like between Houston. Yeah. And Austin. So you've got you've yeah. got the 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 the. The hill country, mm -hmm. um, and then in the middle of the hill country, there's another little area called the um, I think it's called Fredericksburg, mm -hmm. is the area around the city. Mm -hmm. um, but the 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 hill country is a much larger area. There's one uh, Fort Davis out on the on the west end on the west side of Texas, and there's uh, some over on the on the New Mexico um, or they are other from For anybody listening to this that's not from Texas, I want to give you just a simple um, uh, idea about how big Texas is. Mm -hmm. um, we're in Houston right now. Right. If we were to drive straight down I-10 West and hit L.A., the halfway point is El Paso. Yeah, that's and exactly that's right. still an hour I've, inside I've, Texas. I've made that drive when I moved to California, and right. that's exactly what happened. I stopped in El Paso <laughs> at the halfway point. Yes. And, uh, and you're still an hour inside still, Texas at yeah, that Yeah, still point. had Texas so to go. Yeah. just to give you an idea, like when he's talking about regions, these regions can be very far away from yeah, each other. Well, it doesn't Texas have other than uh, other than Arctic? Doesn't it have every uh, other climate cli uh, climate uh, at some at some place in, mm -hmm. sure, in yeah. Texas? Yeah, so I believe it. This is a really good wine. It's it's a it's a bit delicate, but not in a way that makes it feel like. Um, it's it's too frou frou or too. You actually too fancy, nailed you know exactly what I, mean? what I was going to say about this. When you say Texas wine, I always expect you know anything right. from Texas to be a little to more be big and bold, robust, right? Yeah, a little more bold. And this has a delicacy to it that's mm -hmm. very nice. But it works. Yeah. It totally yeah. totally works. Well, there's well, there's and that, that has to do with uh, the the how the wine is made. There's several different ways that that rosé can be made. One is called the Saunier method, where they um, they get all these red grapes um, and they they. Either press it or let it free run, and they pull 
a specific set of that juice out mm-hmm. before the rest of it gets made into into um, to white wine, into red wine rather. Um, grapes, uh, uh, wine is very much like tea; it's steeped. Mm-hmm. Um, so these deep, rich um, skins. Um, it would stain basically the wine like your coffee or tea does, and mm-hmm. it gives you a little tannic structure. So while this is juicy and and not certainly not sweet, but juicy and bright, it does have a, a structure, a tannic kind of structure to it. It's not sweet, but it has a little bit of a a, a tang to it. Yeah, you know, a juicy is a good word for that mm-hmm. too. I was. I was appreciating that when you said it. I was like, that's, well, that's, that's a, the word. That's exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. how I would describe this. You know, way. sometimes as as a person that is maybe more attuned, I certainly know more about, but maybe more likely to drink spirits or craft beer. You you think of, you know, stopping and ordering wine, you think, well, I like wine, but like I'm in the mood for that, uh, I don't know, that more maybe intense sort of uh, experience. But both of these wines that we've had here so far have their own amount of intensity, even though I said this is delicate, and it is. It has a certain amount of intensity mm-hmm. on the palate, mm-hmm. and it's really satisfying. Um, I can see this one especially. I can see this one going with uh, a cigar that's that's a little more on the uh, mild to medium mm-hmm. as well, and, and something with not a lot of pepper in it, so something with a little more chocolatiness to it or you, something like that. I can see that happening. You have given me one of those Perdomo champagnes uh, before. That would, that would, be that would go wonderfully wonderful. with this. Or, to go with or this. you know the uh, the Aladino Connecticut. Yes. I think even though it's got a little more uh, kick to it than like a champagne does, would really would work go nicely well, with yes. this. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a really interesting. And you know, there's not a lot of. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the reason I just haven't seen it, but uh, I don't I don't feel like there's a lot of uh, places out there that give you wine and cigar pairing. So one of the guys, and uh, I'm sure Adam will put it together at some point in time, one of the guys I spoke with um, at uh, IPCPR actually uh, makes wine and cigars. And so a lot of his cigars are made to pair with wines, and he gave me one to try. I will be doing that maybe for next week or the week after show. I'll, Good. I'll let Adam know and Look then we'll to see about putting that interview on there. But I thought that was a very interesting take on it. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Is this one on your uh, on is. your list? Yep. At, at it is on my list, and it goes for the exorbitant amount of thirty nine dollars. Nice, a bottle, a bottle. Wow. Yeah, that's, um, that's I have a, a, That's very impressive. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing: is I feel very strongly about um, this wine, and frankly, every rosé that we have on the list by the bottle and by the mm-hmm. glass, for that matter, um, and how how well it goes with our food. Um, the kind of you know, food we were talking about pairings earlier. I think yeah. that this is a this is a great uh, this is a great pairing for wild game. I think it's a great mm-hmm. pairing for for um, for seafood and um, and shrimp. You know, they say pink wine, pink food, so shrimp would go great with this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but uh, it's 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 one. Of, it happens to be one of my favorite um, uh, rosés, and the folks at uh, William Chris are just doing such a great job at them. We're we're going to feature some of their <clears throat> excuse me some of their wines um, in October to. Texas themed wine dinner. This makes me want to grill scallops. <laughs> oh, doesn't it though? Yeah, the, the, the oh. char from the grill would yeah. go really well. Oh, <laughs> doesn't that, that just sounds so good right now. <laughs> um, is rosé a style that is on the rise, or is it one that's, Ooh, yes, that's been, absolutely? It's been and it's been it's it's with a bullet, man. This thing is is keeps it keeps getting more popular. People are just enjoying rosé all the time. And and Houston, when it's always rosé season, right. it's it, I always have rosé by the glass. What, always. What causes a particular style to 
you know, to just take off? Is it? I mean, could it be anything? It or? Could, well, you know, it, there was a movie about twelve years ago that mm. uh, that uh, uh, that sent sales of Merlot in the toilet. Um, unfortunately, it's coming back. Merlot is one of my favorite grapes, <laughs> but I think that just the popularity of, of of what's going on, you know, two three years ago or so, mm-hmm. um, there was a drink that I believe it was Bon Appetit magazine um, created called the Frosé. Um, and it's basically what they did is they put this in a margarine machine and uh, let it let it go and see wow. what would happen and it's and it's delicious for for several years we had frosé on the list at, at Rainbow Lodge nice. now now froze, there there's still a bunch of people making frosé out there i find it a bit passé now uh, frosé is passé so it's <laughs> my opinion my opinion alone <laughs> but uh, uh, but we're we're i'm making a frozen drink with riesling that we call the freezing well there you go that, <laughs> that only makes sense right and it's and it's really sense. great do you come up with the name first or the drink first that's the question <laughs> well so i was i was a uh, approached with this name um, several years ago and I thought wow that that'd be kind of cool and when I decided that while I love rosé and will always support rosé production and and uh, uh, rosé on the list Friesling sounds like a lot of fun and so I created a drink around that <laughs> That's awesome. and the Friesling was born it's beautiful um, Ian, I just want to make sure you would uh, yeah, yeah, that I held opportunity that up there just a little bit show earlier, that label I'll, to the camera I'll while we're in this segment. Okay, so we are going to take a break. When we come back, it is uh, 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 we're going to take a quick break from wine, and it is tequila time. The tequila Micampo, the Reposado, a brand new tequila, or new to me, uh, let's put it this way. And I've, I've, I've got lots of tequila, so if you come across one I haven't had, that, or that looks like it may have been open before. Of, uh, it was open... What, what do you mean? Looks like it <laughs> may have been open. Uh, we will be back to open it yet again. Uh, coming up, it's uh, Smoking and Justin. Yes, I did. Because <laughs> you got to do research. That's right, research. Well, you know, my wife comes home and I'm like, Welcome back. Kids Smoking and Toasting, show number 146. Uh, somebody asked me uh, if we had something special planned for 150. No, I, I don't think we're going to do anything uh, over the top for 150. You know, you know what we'll probably do, Maybe, though. yeah. But 200 will be big. We'll probably drink. I, and maybe smoke cigars? <laughs> smoke cigars. I like this idea. <laughs> you're, you're, this is why I like working with you. You have great ideas. You know, it's, it's funny the conversations we still have about the 100th episode that was just absolutely <laughs> well, ridiculous. What I find interesting about the 100th episode, and Mark, what we did on number 100, is we actually invited everyone who'd ever been a guest on the show to come. We had it at a place that was big enough. And obviously not everybody made it, but we had a lot of people there and uh, and had room for everybody. We did it, did the whole show live. Wound up going almost four hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's interesting is that anytime I run into anyone who's on that show, <laughs> they go, oh, dude, your 100th episode. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it, it's, there's, there's quite a bit of, it, it stirred up some talk. Yeah. Yeah, and it was fun. Great. That's something uh, to look forward to. Yes, yes. So, so that'll be 200. <laughs> we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, for sure, for sure. All right, guys, get ready. Here comes another one. Dun, 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 dun. We need actually some kind of an intro or sound effect for this because it's now happening so often. I guess that'll work. That'll be. Will that be our official sound effect for? There's another celebrity slash band releasing a spirit or wine or or. No, that's this one. Okay, well, you're gonna love this one. <laughs> 
Slipknot is releasing a whiskey. Of course they are. Slipknot. <laughs> Absolutely, of course they are. <laughs> Slipknot's from Iowa, by the way, and they have teamed with the state's Cedar Ridge Distillery to release a, uh, a you know, uh, they're, they're the band with the crazy masks, just in case, you know, you didn't uh, put all of that together. And they say, you know, it's not just more band-themed booze. Uh, but then again, they're all trying to say that, right? Right. Uh, uh, it's made in collaboration with Cedar Ridge. It's number nine Iowa, Iowa whiskey, ninety proof, and number nine Reserve Iowa whiskey, ninety nine proof. But um, they call themselves and Cedar Ridge two groups of people born and raised in Iowa and committed to quality and hard work. Slipknot's M. Sean. Clown Crahan said in the announcement, we collaborated on number nine whiskey, which in addition to Iowa corn gets some extra spice from its rye content. Uh, and so there you go. That's from an article, by the way, just so you know, food and wine. That's where that article appeared. All right, all right. Slipknot, send us your so, whiskey. Let's yeah. try it. Yeah, let's try it. So so that actually leads me to uh, a question for you, Mark, because not only are there a lot of uh, celebrity spirits coming out these days, we've tried some of them on the show. Some of them have actually been, been pretty yeah, good. Bob we had, Dylan one Bob was Dylan's our, whiskey uh, was good. Yeah. Uh, the Metallica whiskey, Metallica, Blackened, Black I, thought was, I thought was quite good. I mean, Dave Pickerel, come on. Right. So <laughs> yeah. so where, where do you come down on all of this? Because all, all kinds of celebrities have wines. Uh, you know, Dave Matthews has a wine i know that uh i know that uh a very seriously uh respected uh, musician manor james keenan from tool has has a wine he's super he's serious been doing that about for it. a while yeah, though, super he? serious yeah. about it. but it's not just an endorsement i mean he's like and his wine is really good too. <laughs> and, and, well that was what i was going to ask you is is what should our take be on celebrity wines well, and spirits i think you i think you, you should you should know who's making who's actually making the wine okay. obviously you know these people made a bunch of money and they decided hey let's have a winery it's they realize it's not as easy as as you think it is yeah. um or distillery or whatever and then they decide to to move forward with it but it it's it all has a lot to do with who is actually making that spirit or right. wine? You said David Pickerel earlier. I mean, the, right. that man he, can he practically was, do no wrong. He, yeah. was, he was the man who did Metallica's uh, yeah. uh, bourbon, so it's it's not surprising that that turned out to be good mm-hmm. because he because he was involved in, in you know put, doing all the, uh, the original blending. But well, you know, and if if you're Metallica, who are you going to get to do? Well, that, that does, like, okay. If, so if that you have the sense. money to hire someone to blend you uh, to blend a uh, whiskey. For your right. for your band name or for your brand name or however you want to look at it, I mean they went right to the top. Right. Yeah. But so. if I'm in Target and I see the Lisa Loeb, you know, Sauvignon Blanc, <laughs> I'm probably gonna pass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's I'm so like, cute though. <laughs> uh, she's a wench, that girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna can't be thinking s- that all the time. Can't stand Lisa Loeb. She's a, uh, I, I think I think it has a lot to do with who made who made it. Yeah, uh, and and you know if you've got someone serious behind it, you know Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie has got the parent family making their wines in right, southern right. France, and uh, and while it's much more expensive than I think it should be, it's it's tasty. Right. Well, Matthew McConaughey's uh, bourbon is with the uh, wild turkey. Wild right? turkey. Yeah. So it's like there are some there are some actual people involved in some of these that are. That have got some clout, at least in the in the industry they're in. But you almost have to do more research yeah. if it's a if it's a celebrity one, right? Well, yeah, and but but for those people who choose not to, or just like, oh, Lisa Loeb makes a wine. Let's go. Let's go ahead. Now, now I don't know if Lisa Loeb makes a wine. I'm just saying. I don't know if she does. But <laughs> if she does, go. I guarantee you it's terrible. I have that CD. <laughs> I guarantee you it's I'll terrible. Pick up a case for the house. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I, I feel like you're holding a grudge over there. She's fine. You just can't believe a word she says. That's all I'm trying to say about about that. But uh, but hey, you know. That happens. One of these days I'm going to learn that story. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, one of the things we love to do uh, here on the show is uh, we have this unique way that we create sound effects for the show. You may have seen the rack of gear that's over here, the uh, processors and the equalizers. And uh, and when we create sound, there, there you go, that's a rack of gear. Uh, uh, when we create sound effects, uh, we don't use any of that. We actually uh, have this amazing concept that we like to call doing the thing that makes the noise. And so I'm going to open the tequila now. Oh, see? That, nice. See, that sounded That's, like you just opened a bottle of tequila. Didn't it sound like I opened a bottle of tequila super right realistic. Now? All right. So, uh, so I'm going to pour a little bit of this and pass it around. This is Micampo. It is a, from, from everything that I understand, a new tequila, but it's been rested in wine barrels. So that's the uh, thing about this one that may be slightly different, maybe from some of the other tequilas that we've tried. It's a Reposado, uh, which is a, you know, Reposado speaks to the amount of age. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Blanco is least age, Reposado is in the middle, and then there's Añejo. And, and then the Reposado is, is, is like eight months to. A uh, year and a half, is that right? I believe that's or correct. Somewhere in that neighborhood. It, yeah, it's it's not both with rum and tequila. The aging is not the nearly aging is, is as long less, yeah. as what you would expect from uh, from whiskey and and from some of the other spirits. So, um, did I pour you? Yeah. Okay. Good. I want to make sure I'm passing this around. Uh, so, Ian, I wanted though for you to uh, to show this. And I've now leaked some tequila on it, but I wanted to show you, uh, I wanted that label to be shown to the camera because it's got really cool cover art. I thought that was just absolutely awesome. And I will admit, when I know nothing about the tequila or, or other products, I can be influenced by, by cover art. And that's a, becoming a big thing in craft beer right yeah, now. That, and that uh, and awesome. certainly in wine. Like, like it seems to me in wine, it's kind of like some of the other areas. Like it kind of goes one or two ways. They either look try to make the art look as sort of traditional and wine-ish as possible, or they go completely the other way and try to look totally different from well, what and you, you also have the to, wine bottle You have to bottle. consider this as well. If the wine is meant for retail, if it's meant for the shelf, right. well, then they have a whole different set of parameters under which they'll design the label. Otherwise, no one's going to see it. Right. You know, if it's in a restaurant... You're not going to see it until the waiter arrives with it, basically. Right. Yeah. Right. Very interesting. All right, Ian... Uh, uh, I was going to ask, what do you get on the nose? Reason. And then I saw pepper. you taking your favorite On the uh, nose, pepper. Your, your, your first sip of this. Uh, I'm getting some banana. Yeah, there's, uh, it, it's got that, um, that uh, raw sugary sugar cane mm -hmm. kind of thing mm -hmm. going on. Definitely, yeah, the, the fruity banana kind of. Yeah, there is definitely some banana, but I, I hear your pepper. You yeah, have to pepper, big you have to actually take a moment to get past the pepper to get to the next <laughs> uh, to get to the next thing. But I will say it's not as the pepper is bigger on the nose than it is when you taste it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the pepper is not a not like a bad thing because it's it's a spicy. Um, mm -hmm. But we're talking about when we say pepper on this black pepper. This is very right. much a very black much pepper a black pepper, kind pepper of yeah. smell. And and a lot of tequila has that. It's just a, it's part of the nature of tequila. This is pretty agave forward. But having said that, given the pepper and how agave forward it is, and it being a reposado, uh, and not an añejo or an extra añejo, I'm actually a little surprised at how smooth it is. Absolutely. It's 
it is quite smooth. It goes quite down smooth. almost like a, a like the Skelly or some of the others. And that like we've tried. you said, it's uh, even though it smells big peppery like it mm-hmm. does, uh, it, that doesn't come across as much in the flavor. Mm-hmm. It it's there, but it's in a much smoother, less spicy kind of way than you'd expect. It leads me to believe that that the that the barrels that they use to age this either they were very very large barrels or they were smaller barrels that didn't have the char. Right, um, because I'm not pulling any of that sort of oaky yeah. kind of vanilla and mapley sort of vibe at all. Right, that it's, you much get in more, some it's much more right. floral, I think, mm-hmm. than you yes. do. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. is kind of an astringent uh, uh, nature to the aftertaste on this, though. It has a little bit of that um, kind of astringent dryness on the end. And are you saying that is a good thing or a bad thing? No, it's thing, not a bad or? thing. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it, it just is. It's, it it mm-hmm. is a thing, you know. Right, right. So it That can be sometimes what leads you back. For that second drink, the mm-hmm. the Dorito effect that we were talking about, that that astringency kind of what it does to your tongue and your palate, making you the, go. The heat in this. Try that again. It's funny because the heat in this is almost non-existent on the initial palate, and then it just kind of comes back. But it comes back it slow. You see that warm yeah, little yeah. whiskey yeah. hug mm-hmm. in the back, mm-hmm. even though it's not whiskey. That's awkward. <laughs> I do it, but I, I can I t- t- totally see the correlation between yeah. a tequila hug. Yeah, yeah. tequila hug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, uh, so what's your take, Ian? You, you, this is an inexpensive bottle, by the way. I want to say it was about twenty eight dollars. Did you say it was aged in wine barrels? It as says, well? yeah, it's what it says on the bottle. I don't get a lot of wine influence on this. It does say Micampo uh, comes from the heart. The illustration by Mexico City artist uh, uh, Raúl Urias. Uh, depicts the passion for the art of creating tequila. Yeah, the illustration is amazing. Pride in the land from which it comes. What did you say the bottle cost on this? I believe it was about twenty-seven, twenty-eight dollars. Uh, so I, I not would an expensive. Highly bottle. recommend this at that price. Yeah, point. at that price um, point, that's that's this that's is really rocking. good, and it's one of those. It's it's kind of a unique flavored tequila. It's mm-hmm. it's not like what you expect. Uh, tequila always to taste like this has some different interesting things going on. Yeah. There's almost a little, almost a little in my. Maybe pineapple kind of thing going on in yeah. there. Is that? It's definitely tropical. I'm getting yeah. It's tropical. So there's and, and and like the longer I sit here and think about it, the more things I'm pulling. So I'm betting the more of it we drink, the more we would pull. You know, from, <laughs> from, the, uh, right. from the from the flavors. That's that's generally been my. Well, what I what I find really interesting about it is, I really do feel like it's a true reposado. And what I mean by that is, that when I get an añejo tequila, I'm generally looking for more of those barrel flavors, more of the vanilla and the um, the uh, oakiness and, and that type that this doesn't really offer. But it also isn't that all agave thing yeah. that you sometimes get from the Blancos, which is also not a bad thing. But this seems to land kind of squarely in the middle. It's got its Nicely own... Nicely balanced. Yeah, yeah, it's got its own balance. Right, but it doesn't it. have that green, uh, young flavor that no, a lot of the uh, bones have as well. Not at all. I'm, I'm still fascinated by the fact that there's no heat on the initial palate on yeah. this. Like, I, I even just held some in my mouth and then swallowed it. And it, it doesn't still, even really do it, yeah. Like, that's absolutely crazy. Like, this is this is dangerously easy to drink. Yeah, well, that's that's the problem. Still 40%. Sometimes. And still that's 40%. Problem, right? yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, at least in the Houston area, uh, this is now available uh, at retail. So, if you're looking for it and want to try it out, you can... Uh, you can definitely taste it. All right. So we got one wine left to go, which we're going to do in our final segment. What have you saved for us for the last? Uh, one of my favorites. Um, really quickly, the region of Bandol um, in southern France. It's right there on the Mediterranean mm-hmm. coast. 
it's a stunning part of, of, of France. And it, for many, many years, has been my, one of my favorite regions um, that um, I first discovered for myself while I was working at 13 Celsius. And so um, I couldn't do this without bringing something from here. Okay, awesome. Well, we will look forward to that as a uh, way to put the, uh, put the final segment together. Uh, thank you uh, very much, Mark, for being here. And we uh, uh, Obviously, we're not done yet, but uh, thank you so much for coming in. This has been really good education for mm-hmm. me, uh, learning about these, uh, these wines, and, and these are all, obviously, so far, Amazing. So, uh, so that's also that's also made it for a great show. I think so. Uh, all right, we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Show number one forty six, and we will return. Ooh, that's cute. I'm shocked. Yeah, because I, I looked up what I paid for it, and I'm shocked that I'm enjoying this as much as I am. <laughs> well, we've had some taste of the reserve and On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting at show number 146. It's our wine show with Mark Burrell, and we are brought to you by uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, BB Italia on Memorial in Houston, and BB Lemon uh, on Washington Ave, uh, right across from the original B&B. Mark Houston is here proving location. that you don't have yeah. to be snobby to know a lot about wine. That's, That's right. right. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, that, and I'm here proving that you can be snobby and know virtually nothing about wine. <laughs> so right. it's, a, it's a good balance the way that it works out. Hey, the Virginia Distillery Company is in trouble with the SWA. Do you know, Ian, what the SWA is? What is is the SWA? Yeah, it's uh, uh, Swillers with Attitude? I don't know. Uh, No, it's the uh, Scotch Whiskey Association. Oh, okay. Uh, And the Virginia Distillery Company is in trouble for passing off their whiskey made in Virginia as Scotch, Uh, according to a complaint filed by the SWA in Delaware. How did they pass it off? Well, the SWA claims that this distillery's use of the word Highland is a term reserved exclusively for Scotch whiskey under U.S. federal regulations and therefore unlawful for them to include it in their uh, labeling and description of their whiskey. Well, well, Highland is a region. Does that mean we can't call any place a Highland unless we're talking about Scotch? that's why this is going to be an interesting court case, because the label in question includes uh, the Virginia Highland Whiskey Series, uh, in which the spelling of whiskey, by the way, is W-H-I-S-K-Y, as opposed to with an E-Y, right? right. right. Uh, And uh, the prominent use of the Highland, they say, the SWA says, falsely indicates that the product is wholly from Scotland, uh, which, of course, it's not. Wait, wait, what's what's the name of it again? It is called the Virginia Virginia Highland Whiskey. Yep. Then how would calling it the Virginia Highland be falsely saying that it's from the Highlands of Scotland? Scotland. I, uh, your argument is not with me, sir. It is with the Scotch Whiskey <laughs> Association. But I was just thrilled to know there That's, was a Scotch Whiskey Association. Right. Know. Well, no, no, uh, I get that. I get that they need to I get they why they to want to protect, protect their However, yeah. yes, yes. I think that one, if it's called the Virginia Highland, yeah. I don't think they're trying to pass that off as Highland Scotch. Okay, so then does the fact that they spelled it without the E-Y, does that raise your suspicions that they are trying to... Maybe be a little sneaky. Maybe. I don't know. If there's an appellated area called the Virginia Highlands, maybe. But if there's not, then they're... Yeah. They're pulling... I think I I can go with you on that, yeah. 
right, stand by. Is there, is there a if place? On, cool. if, if only we had some sort of portable or handheld device where device. we could ask this sort of question uh, and see Everybody what we come up with. Everybody ask the Google. Uh, well, then, and there was there was indeed um, um, a winery, and I can't recall it off the top of my head, who produced a a wine that. In the name of the, you, know, you can have the name of the winery, and then the name of the wine, and then there's all the grapes. That within the name mm-hmm. of the wine, called it something that was appellated to another place, like California and App or whatever, right, right. and they got in big, big trouble and had to change the name. Huh. According to Wikipedia, which, as we all know, knows everything, Virginia and never lies and never lies. Virginia Highland is a happening area with a vibrant bar and restaurant scene. On North Highland and Virginia Avenues, locals sip coffee and cocktails in quirky cafes. And God, I love quirky cafes. Uh, and and shop for organic tea and funky homeware. Virginia Highland, a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia. So I think there's a legitimacy <laughs> to the to the fact that it's called the Virginia Highland. I think I think uh, uh, maybe they are trying to capitalize a little bit on that. With the spelling and everything, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of. But like, it is. It does say Virginia Highlands. It's so. a little bit like calling your band free beer. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're trying to kind of pull a fast one over, but it's really pretty harmless. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, does that does that sum it up for us? <laughs> Sorry, it took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, I don't. So, so would you buy this whiskey? You're not affronted. Uh, by them calling it a Highland whiskey, that Virginia. Well, I, I I just think if the word Virginia is in front of Highland, I don't think that they're necessarily. I, I like it wouldn't occur to me to go, oh, the Virginia Highland must be a region in Scotland. Yeah, that that that's, that seems stupid. You know, but it, like but it wouldn't have occurred stupid. to me that a company that delivers strawberries would threaten to sue us over the original name of this show, and yet somehow that happened. <laughs> if you recall, there is that. Yeah. We got a better name now. Anyway. That's the good news. Is thanks to Ian who came up with the name <laughs> "Smoking and Toasting." Our old name, which I'm no longer allowed to legally utter on the program ever uh, again, ever again, because our lawyer will come beating down the door and uh, <laughs> and uh, drag me out and flog me. Uh, but uh, but then again, we don't deliver strawberries, and that's important. That's true. Uh, I'm not bitter at all, <laughs> I, and I have absolutely no issue with Lisa Lowe. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> or her wine. Uh, I think we need more wine. Uh, <laughs> Mark Morell is here. Mark is the beverage director for the Rainbow Lodge, which is in and of itself an amazing thing. Man, I uh, took my wife. I told the story um, earlier to uh, to Mark, but I took my wife there for a belated um, Valentine's Day. I, mm-hmm. I don't remember whether I was out of town or something happened on Valentine's Day. We did we did it actually. We don't go out on Valentine's Day. A little Day. over we, a week later. We figure it's too it's too nuts. And we so go out a day or two later. And we know? went by the Rainbow Lodge. And I happen to mention to our server that this was our you know your Valentine's, Valentine's Day dinner. Day, yeah. You know, and she oh she was she was super nice and she thought it was nice. But at the end of dinner, she brought out a little cake that said Happy Valentine's Day. Aww. And it wasn't on Valentine's Day. No, it was a week okay, and a so half that's, later almost. That's pretty that was, cool. I mean, they were super awesome cool. there. Yeah, that's you know? pretty cool. Mark, is it is it difficult to, um, I hate to use the word train, but we were talking about this with our buddy Jeremiah from B&B and his staff. Is it difficult to get your wait staff to know as much as you feel like you want them to know about the wines and the spirits that are on Most of them really want to know. And here's why. It makes a difference in their pocket. 
Mm-hmm. Makes that makes sense to me. Yeah. Absolutely. If if they come to the table and they're 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 knowledgeable and they're um, they know about specific wines or they can answer your questions um, in a succinct manner, then it it makes them look good and makes the experience even better. And wow, this has just been so lovely, and the, the server just was spot on, and it's that's great. And so I um, um, we do a, a, a training session uh, once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually open a bottle of something. Sometimes it's a spirit. Sometimes it's uh, uh, wine. Um, sometimes we bring people in to chat about them. Um, and um, and so we, we, we try to get them to know as much as they'd like mm-hmm. to know. Um, okay. and, and then constantly, all day, every day, the servers are stopping in and ask, asking me questions about, um, uh, tell me about this, and what do you think about that, and give me the notes of this. And That's awesome. No, it's great. It's great. We have, we have a really great team. Um, and uh, I'm, a, I'm I, you know, I, I attribute that to um, how how the the, the shop is run. Mm-hmm. Um, the general manager, his name is Tim Neely. He's been there thirty years. <laughs> uh, the owner Donna Hansen and encourages us to to really do focus on what it is that we do, and mm-hmm. Tim's great at that. The, the entire the whole staff is. Mikael, the, the assistant, has been there for twenty years, twenty five years. Well, I do appreciate when when a waiter. You know, knows something. Uh, you know, knows enough to have an opinion. Yeah. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way uh, about. But I also totally don't mind if they don't know. With them going, you know what? Hang on. Let me find. Let me out. find somebody yeah. who can answer. That doesn't bother me at all. Doesn't make me think any less of the waiter. In fact, it almost makes me think more of the waiter or waitress because they're going. You know what? I don't want to give you the wrong answer. Let me pull someone over right. who who does know. And that's that's and and by the way, I will. I will pause and give this, you know, little bit of uh, nickel's worth of advice to anyone on the weight service uh, um, uh, side of things. Uh, and I learned this actually uh, from my wife. Um, if I come to you, as I very often do, and I'll go, I'll, I'll have my menu choices narrowed down to two things. And I'll say, I know they're different, but which is better, this one or this one? If you, if you don't have an opinion, just pick one. <laughs> And that's what I do with my wife when she goes, this dress or this dress? I I don't know. <laughs> don't say that. But I randomly pick one. It doesn't matter. Sometimes so, I pick the one on the right. Sometimes I pick the one on the one left. That one brings out the color of your eyes. Yeah, see? there. And, and if you as a as a member of the waitstaff can, can pull off something even that basic, I'm going to like, perfect, done. That's what I'm ordering. And, uh, you know. And nine uh, times out of ten, one of my guys will, the, the answer to that question is, what do you feel like drinking? See now, now, I like that even better because that is uh, that that also shows that they're really giving some thought to to what the answer. Well, is. Well, as I opposed like. to going and having food and something to drink, you're going for an experience at that point. Well, that's yeah, right. that makes a big difference. That's right. That's absolutely right. You know? and, 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 let's, and let's let's face it. Frankly, the Rainbow Lodge is not a place you go for cheap drinks. You know, it's. No, I mean, well, we're not, it's the not that it's it's not that it's like insanely expensive or anything, but it's not the place you. It's not a little dive bar. It's where not you the go corner bar where you're Star, going. You know? for, yeah, right. I don't know. You can come in on Sundays and have two dollar mimosas. Oh. <laughs> nice. I'm in. But the bottom you're line welcome, is, Donna. you're going to go to a place like that. You're going to have an experience, and and that's a great answer. Is what you know? What are you going to drink? Well, that's right. You know, uh, let's pair some things together. It's well, amazing. and uh, you know, the experience thing is important. I mean, you know, there there are, uh, there are plenty of places to eat. But if you're going out and you you know you're taking out a date or you want to do something special for your you know significant other or it's you and a good friend you want to go and really commemorate a, a you know a, a, a important time or a great friendship 
the experience is a part of it. And that's what I love about places like Rainbow Lodge. And, and there are other places, too, that are very different, mm-hmm. but that do offer not just a meal, not just a meal and a drink, but an, but an experience. And that's, to me, that's, it's kind of like why we are interested in all of this stuff. It's about the experience, mm-hmm. you know. With a cigar, I'm not. Necess- I don't. I don't just want to smoke tobacco. I want to sit and have an experience with this, with this cigar. I want to let it, you know, be. I mean, you and I, Ian, got to sit and smoke yesterday with, uh, you know, Jeremiah and our friend Chris Hart, mm-hmm. who nobody cares about, uh, and we were uh, just the whole thing of us just sitting there, having a drink, sharing sharing cigars, yeah. the conversation. That was a very that was a moment like I'll remember that for a long time because it was just a great yep. sort of like conversational, experiential kind of thing. And to me, that's what that's what the best restaurants do. The yep. ones where you go and that was an experience. I loved it and I had a great time. And and it was more than just my food was good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And my drink was tasty. Uh, but if well, that's food, I mean that's the whole. That's if the, the food's whole thing not good and the drink's not tasty, then it. It can really detract from the experience. <laughs> that's, right? that's why we have a 115-year-old yeah. log heaven. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's part of and, the staff. And uh, you also have uh, – uh, how many wines are in your, are on your wine list? You uh, about 500. So that's a lot, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's not like like you were describing the thousands and thousands that there are some places have. But when you got 500, I mean, that, that's a lot to manage. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, 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 it is a full-time job. And, and you know, the, the gentleman who – the general manager who I mentioned earlier was the one who was curating the list um, um, before I came along. And, I, frankly, I don't know how he did it because he has to run a restaurant, and that's a big right. job in itself. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, uh, you know, th- having the ability to focus on the beverage program – um, allows me to really um, uh, distinguish not only which things are appropriate, but to choose the right thing of the which thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So that I can get shown, we're looking for, I don't know, Sauvignon Blanc, whatever. And I can get shown a hundred different Sauvignon Blancs, or I can go to a show, or I can go to a region and, and taste mm-hmm. through all of these things. And then come back and know exactly which one I think is more appropriate for our customers. For your menu and your customers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's what, So is this a Sauvignon Blanc that you brought? Uh, you brought this is not a Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. This is Bondol. Should I know? Oh, this is the Bondol. That's right. Bondol. So um, I think that the um, the our, our crack um, sound effect team yes. is at work right now. Let's get okay, this. Okay, let's see how we do. There Ooh, it is. That, that was, was solid. Amazing. That was solid. That, huh? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I, you, I saved that for you. You've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> He's so, like, that's right. He's so, like a professional. So, so this is you. this is from a place called Bandal, and this is the uh, the region that you were describing. It's the region. So southern France. All right. So on the eastern side of France, if you take. Um, uh, practically the entire east side of France, mm-hmm. from north to south, you're going to get um, Champagne in the north. Alsace is a little bit over mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to get into um, Burgundy, where Chablis is. Um, you'll go further, a little further south into um, uh, the Rhone Valley. Um, and beyond the Rhone Valley, and then Beaujolais up in there, and then beyond uh, the Rhone Valley... <clears throat> closer to the coast, like in fact, on the coast is where this is. So this is, if you're familiar with the geography of France, this is situated between uh, Marseille and Nice. Okay, on that upper yep, coast yep, yep. of mm-hmm. of the Mediterranean. And Bandol is a is a is a city. It's a fishing village there, and it's a stunning place. But up in the in the hills of of the Bandol area, um, around where this is, um, it's it's a really and, oh. If anybody um, is uh, fans of Formula One, the uh, the Formula One racetrack is in this area Ooh. in Le Castellet. 
Um, and, and so that's where these, um, in the hills and in the mountains of, of the Bondal region is where this particular wine comes from. Mostly more Vedra. We talked about that earlier mm-hmm. with the, mm-hmm. the rosé. Um, but then Rhone varietals like Grenache um, and, and Cinso. Um, um, I usually always have something from this area on, on um, the list at Rainbow Lodge. And that's part of the reason is because I love it so much. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's, a, it's an easy drinking wine, but it, it, like before, it has a lot of depth. I would say it has, has a certain amount of zestiness, though. Uh, I, I, would, I would say based on what I've tried before from those reasons from uh, Garnacha. I heard someone pronounce it Garnacha. Is that So the- in Spain, the same grape. So in Spain, they call it Garnacha. Okay. In France, they call it Grenache. But it's the same grape. So just same thing. This is more Vedra, but in Spain, they call it Monastrel. Okay. All right. Well, what I've had that has been from these regions and from uh, these grapes has had a certain uh, certain amount of zestiness to it, which I really, really Mm -hmm. like. And um, this has got... uh, This has got some big flavors, but it's, it's really not as... It's not like the big bold cab vibe going right. on, you Right. Absolutely. Know? And that's because this is appropriate for the, the food at, at Rainbow Lodge. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that cab isn't. But if you're asking me to pair something with your food, you probably will never get a cab. Um, at least at Rainbow Lodge. Um, uh, there are a lot of things out there that, that people can branch out and enjoy. This just happens to go great with the with the food there. A lot of people think about the Rhone Valley specifically, varietals like Syrah and Grenache mm-hmm. and Morvedra, um, that they produce a kind of a funkier, and there is a touch of funk on the on the nose, um, but not in an offensive or a bad bad way. I think that the fruit that really pushes through um, uh, makes this just so enjoyable and delightful. This is I should mention the the, the winery. This is from Castel Ray Noir, um, um, which is a, a Quite an old uh, winery in the region of Bondal. It was founded in like uh, the late 1800s, uh, right when um, phylloxera, this little bug that was eating the rootstocks of the vines in France, were mm-hmm. were moving around. By the way, it was a Texas Texas man that that figured it out in, in California. Um, but there's a lot of of, of phylloxera ridden uh, vineyards um, that ha- had to get fixed. Um, around that time, and so to be, op- be opening a winery and a, and, a, and and growing grapes in that time of France must have been scary. Um, when you're visiting these wineries in France and uh, you know Italy and uh, how do they? Uh, obviously, you're there and you're a customer, a potential customer. Uh, but how do they feel about Americans and Americans consuming their wine? Obviously, I realize they're probably thrilled to have the business, but is there? Is there any sort of elitism uh, among French wineries or or Italian no, wineries or Spanish wineries? I don't think so. I mean, I, I can I can I can understand why you might why you might think so, but I I don't think so. They're certainly not going to go and drink California wine. It's just not their their mm-hmm, thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they don't understand why we don't drink more <laughs> of theirs. More of theirs, right? But at the same time, they 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 relish in the fact that. Uh, a lot of Americans are interested in tr- drinking something from their region. They're knowing, knowing more about their region, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. just Provence as a whole, but Bondol, you know, specifically. specifically yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, it, and and your take on California as a uh, as a wine region, Napa, Sonoma. Mm-hmm. What, what well, your... I mean, there's been some really wonderful wines made out there. I, um, there are a few that come to mind that um, were in the. 40 years or 45 years ago were paired 
or not paired, but uh, tested in France, and some of the Americans came out on top. Um, which I think is great. I've visited some of the, the, the regions in, in California. In fact, I'll be there twice within the next couple of weeks um, um, visiting different, different areas. And so um, I think that it, it's, it's, it's got its way. But again, they're marketing to a specific demographic. They're, they sell wine. The Californians, they sell their wine worldwide. But the majority of the California wine is sold here in the U.S., and I think it's probably the same thing with these guys. The majority of this particular is sold brand is sold in France. Yeah, yeah. This is delicious. I mean, it's uh, what I love about it is its complexity. Like with every sip, I seem to kind of uncover something different. That that's I the best part about this particular wine. It 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 morphs. And it, you were talking about your cigar earlier about how it kind of comes changes. in and out and it changes. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. this particular one does the same thing. It tells this a story. one. After uh, enough sips of this, this one has a butteriness to it that I never suspected. Which you you don't think of buttery right. in red, at like all. in viscosity. Uh, yeah, you just in the in the taste and a little bit yeah. in the viscosity. It's it's a, kind of at the back of the palate after a few sips of this. It's really interesting. This is what happens when uh, whiskey guys try to analyze wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, different germs, but you get the same. Yeah. You get well, the it has the like so in in whiskey, we'd say it has an oiliness to it. I guess in in wine, that's the legs, right? But Ooh, can we talk about that? Yeah. Please. So <laughs> legs have absolutely nothing to do with the quality of the wine. I'm going to say that one more time. Legs have nothing to do with the quality of the wine. Here's what legs does. It tells you about its viscosity. Right. It tells you about its alcohol content. And it tells you about its sugar content, maybe pre or post alcohol. Mm. Um, and that's it. Right. So in whiskey, uh, we'd say it, it has that oiliness to it. And what that does when you taste it is it spreads that flavor spreads across, across the palate. palate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that that's what the legs do, uh, yeah, does it can, for, it could, for it wine can certainly, as well. Yeah. And, and that has a lot to do with. Um, didn't you yell at me for that earlier? That Hello? is my bad. I can't believe I didn't. I turned my phone down, but for some reason the the ringer and <laughs> and it's from Fayette, Alabama. What do you think the chances are that it's a telemarketer? It's your car. Like uh, your ninety nine point ninety nine percent. Your uh, uh, warranty <laughs> on your car is about to expire. Oh, oh. Well, um, you'll you'll uh, be interested to know that I had a a great talk earlier with Ann from Account Services. Oh, nice. Uh, she was calling to let me know that. I was eligible for you know on my last vehicle no, I would I would answer those on occasion and be like yeah I would love to get a new warranty on my car well how many miles does it have two hundred and twenty five thousand <laughs> that's good I like that and, and that was for real you know <laughs> I just I like I like to answer them and go did I win the F one fifty honey come here we won the F one fifty. Yeah. That's, that's then I awesome. try to keep them on as long as possible, <laughs> so they can't, uh, you know, so they can't, you know, spend time calling other people. Yeah. But I guess the robocalls continue. Anyway, yeah. we got way off on that. We were talking about legs. She knows how to use them. Song was about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, tell we're from Texas. Yeah, huh? well, no, but I think I think you're right. That that the viscosity of this wine does play a part in yes. distributing it to the rest of yes. your mm-hmm. your mouth and your palate. And well, this is delicious. I mean, this really is just good. a a really and and I I always try to encourage people. We do this a lot when we talk spirits and, and cigars. We encourage people to try something different instead of 
always, I guess, in the wine uh, world, it would be always getting the Chardonnay or the Cabernet or the uh, sure, absolutely the, the Merlot. Uh, I want to I want to interject something just for a minute. Speaking of Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Neil is is listening, and uh, he mentioned earlier about how much he he loved the Bandol. But he brings in some of the best Burgundies in in the world, which, by the way, comes from uh, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And so, I certainly interesting. Don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I just I love the concept of trying different things, and I do. I, I'm always interested if I go to a restaurant someplace and the sommelier or the waiter recommend something that's not one of the more well-known varietals because i think okay there's a reason that they're that they're recommending this this must have really made some kind of an impression on them or they've come to understand that it's really good with what i'm talking about ordering or you know something like that so that's that's a uh, that's always a plus to me. So um, this has been such a pleasure, Mark. Thank you so much. Thank for, you so much for having me uh, for coming on the show. And uh, the wines have all been uh, terrific. I didn't ask if this one is on your list at the restaurant. It is, well. and okay. it's a staggering fifty five dollars. <clears throat> wow! See, and that's what I love even more is when you can find you know, and we talk about this with cigars uh, as well all the time. When you can find something that is great but that is not in that. Mm-hmm. Price where you go. Well, it better be great for what I'm paying for it. You know what I mean? Like when when you when you can be pleasantly surprised <laughs> yep. based on what you spent and how great the quality. Well, let me let is. me make this promise to your listeners. You come into Rainbow Lodge. You ask for me. I'm gonna probably um, encourage you to drink something you've never heard of. Um, Love that. And per, and, and perhaps it's a, a, a winery or a region um, that that you're not familiar with, but I promise you, it's gonna be great. That's. Isn't that part of it that's more fun for you? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. turning so people on to something. Otherwise, they... I could sit in my office and let the servers do this all day yeah, long. Right. But uh, but the the fun part is for me to be out there on the dining room floor mm-hmm. and, and and chatting mm-hmm. with the with the um, with our guests and. Well, yeah, it's it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing I think to be able to share with other people the things that you yeah. have tried that you are passionate about, and see them get the same kind of enjoyment out of that. That that you got. That's well, it's nice to see someone that has a job doing what they're passionate about. Uh, that makes always, I am the luckiest guy in the world. Really, absolutely, always we love that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We accept your invitation to come do a show from the Rainbow Lodge. We oh, will, I'd love to have you. We there. will put you that can, We can sit outside on the on the this this balcony, this dock yeah, out there. Yeah. You smoke all the cigars you want. I love it's it. It's beautiful it's, out there. It's a plan. We'll do it. We'll yeah. do it. Well, uh, Mark, thank you so much for being on our show number one hundred and forty-six, smoking and toasting on our next program, ladies and gentlemen. Thirty beers. That changed America. Nice. That'll be fun. Plus more of Ian's misadventures in uh, Las Vegas. That's crazy. And we will uh, we will be bringing you some of the specific uh, interview clips uh, that he did. And and I'm convinced, man. Matt Booth was following you around Vegas, wasn't he? <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Uh, that guy's so fun. My friends, uh, thank you so much for tuning in and enjoying smoking and toasting with us. We will see you once again next week. And uh, as always, cheers. I drank all mine. What are you guys doing? That's a, that's a better that's a better cheers sound than our usual plastic cup sound. <laughs>